The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Freaking first cut. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's Rocket Mortgage Classic. Joining me to break it all down, Sia Nishad is here. Sia, hello. Hello. We were talking before we went live that this is the one-year anniversary of the Rocket Man Smash sung by Gigi Najad. And I had to run and check to see if Austin Smotherman is in this field. He is. He's 6,600. He's clearly going to be a fixture in our lineups. Well, maybe not, but I'm excited nonetheless, Rick. Let's get it started. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's start with the field. You mentioned it. This is, believe it or not, one of the, I think it is the best field the Rocket Mortgage Classic has ever had. This is the fifth year of its existence. It's been a pretty low bar, but we do have a couple of names at the top, like Tony Finau, Colin Morikawa, Ricky Fowler. So this is an event that, at least for the time being, is on the come up. Yeah, I mean, it is. It, it, you know, it's an unfortunate spot for it in the sense that we've had so many designated events and, and we're coming off a major than a designated event. It does look like this tournament falls flat from a talent standpoint, but it really doesn't, to your point. I mean, there's there's plenty of good names in here. You, you mentioned, well, we'll mention Tony Finau, you know, Justin Thomas, Max Homa, Hideki Matsuyama. There's a handful of players, Ricky Fowler, if I didn't already say him, there's a handful of players that are really kind of elite players right now and are probably really anxious to grab a signature win. And this would be it. Uh, yeah, really would be it. The golf course we will be contesting at Detroit Golf Club. And Sia, this is a flat course where you can kind of spray it all over the yard. We don't have nearly as much data for this event as we do for more of the established courses like last week's TPC River Highlands. But if you liked the scoring barrage, the birdies or better that were flying out in Connecticut last week, boy, do I have something for you this time. <laughs> yeah, and it'll probably from a DFS standpoint, especially this week, it'll probably promote even more volatility than what we saw last week. Because one thing we noticed last week, and, and I was kind of tricky with my lineups at the top, and it was actually ended up being to my detriment because I ended up feeding guys like Scotty Scheffler and even Roy McElroy. Well, we don't have those guys in this field. The upper echelon here is not John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, Rory McElroy. It is, you know, much lesser golfers, for lack of a better way to say it. So I do think when it comes to these birdie fests, when you don't have those guys in it, I do think it kind of lends itself to being just really creative with your lineups and really creative with not only the construction, but the actual players you choose. So I actually think this is a really this is going to be a really fun DFS tournament. Yeah, and Troy, if you want to share my screen, we can jump into the data here on uh, Detroit Golf Club. This is my website, rickrangood.com. This is the course key stats model. And Sia, it's been wet around uh, this golf course. They've had storms roll through the area as if they needed any more assistance getting receptive greens and, and scoring opportunities. I, I think this is going to end up being a distance plus track man contest plus putting contest is the way this thing is going to get won. Yeah. What if you just looked at, I mean, I'm curious if we made some lineups that were just off the tee and putting based, whether how far back you want to go is up to you. But I think that might be a pretty decent place to start. I'm always going to look at tee to green and I'm always going to look at, obviously approach is going to be important here, of course. But to your point, I, this does become a putting contest to some degree, and it certainly becomes a distance contest to some degree as well, in the sense that, 
you know, you you can spray it here and probably be okay. And so I think a lot of people are going to take those guys who have really good off the tee numbers, but particularly really good driving distance numbers. And, and honestly, that's probably the way to go. That doesn't mean, just so we're all clear, that you rule out some of the shorter hitters because a lot of those guys are going to keep it in the fairway and have a really nice – uh, approach shot coming in. But the point is, there's not much trouble lurking out there for the Bombers. Yeah, and just kind of thinking about this off uh, off the top of my head, and obviously this does not make the entire field, but you know when your winners are Tony Finau, uh, you also got uh, Matthew Wolf. You, you know, Bryce DeChambeau has had a level of success around this place. It's easy to see how the Bombers have a better path to victory than some of the other guys. In fact, uh, it's driving distance is more strongly correlated to success than driving accuracy is in the four years that we've played around here. But um, the big one here, Sia, is is putting. Uh, if you trust the numbers, which they're just numbers, there's nothing to not trust, I suppose. Uh, strokes gain putting is ranked 12th. That means there's only 11 other courses in which strokes gain putting has been more correlated to success than here at Detroit Golf Club, which I guess makes sense, right? If we are looking at the four years at a 23 under par on average winning score, you do not get there by making pars. You get there by filling it up with birdies or better. So I'm curious how you handle that, because I know, you know, we do this sometimes, but across the industry, this happens where you really like a guy. I'll I'll bring up an example. Um, I'm not looking at his stats right now, but Sam Stevens, for example, who I just love from a ball striking standpoint, but has not been putting well at all. You know, the, the team no putt thing. You know, I don't want like this year, I haven't really been going to guys on courses where, you know, putting is really important. I haven't really been going to guys that uh, aren't good putters. You know, before, maybe last year, historically, I might say, well, they can turn it around for four rounds. Well, I'm not doing that this year, and I'm actually doing quite a bit better in, in DFS. Now, granted, that's relative to last year where I didn't do very well at all. But my, my larger point is, I wonder, Rick, how you're handling this, because I'm looking at a lot of guys that are bad putters, but I've seen them be positive or spike, let's say, once or twice over their last six tournaments, seven tournaments. And that's enough for me to say, okay, well, if they spike there within the last couple of months, I I think they can at least possibly spike here. But then there's those guys who just haven't picked up much with the putter in months. And I think I'm ruling those guys out. I'm just curious how where you are on that. Yeah, I think it's fair. I I think that I personally just look at more things like opportunities or opportunities plus, you know, the chances that you give yourself inside of 15 or 10 feet for birdie and knowing that you're probably going to need 35 to 38 of those opportunities and then being able to convert as many as possible this week is probably the path that, that I go. So yeah, I think, I think what you've, what you've explained there is uh, certainly fair. At least the, the ability to pop at times, the ability to show that you can have a good putting week outside of just constantly, losing constantly hemorrhaging constantly giving back to the field it's it's i need a little bit of hope if that makes sense that's right and that's that's what i'm looking for i'm i'm looking for at least something that's going to tell me that they can do this for more than one round in other words like in showdown like you can find any anybody can be a bad putter and find the putter for uh, end opportunities for uh, an 18 hole stretch but for four rounds i think i'm going to be looking for guys who i've i've at least some seen some glimmer from over the last couple of months Okay. Well, listen, let's start naming some names. We will jump into uh, the cheat sheet and start talking about these players from the top of the board all the way down to the bottom. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain. Those numbers do not add up to me. And I know it can be confusing the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple. And that's where super feet comes into play. These super feet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking a, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. It's a really fine line creating 
workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, They've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky. As, as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there, and I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now, here's what you can do for four our listeners. Uh, first-time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, Not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out, viore.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. And we're back. Tony Finau leads the way, $10,900. Colin Morikawa at 10.6. Ricky Fowler, 10.4. Max Homa at 10.2. And Justin Thomas at a flat 10,000. It is a five-man 10K range. See ya. How can we start splitting hairs and picking out the guys who have the best chance to win this week? Yeah, this is tough. And and this is where I come in with the whole, you know, kind of do whatever you want in this tournament from a roster construction standpoint, because I I don't respect the 10K range enough. And I'm, I'm talking about this from a DFS standpoint, not like I don't respect these golfers, but I don't respect this range enough to say to myself, oh, I need to grab a guy in this range. Now, granted, again, last week I said on this very show, I might start some lineups with with Victor Hovland and Colin Morikawa. Well, that didn't work out very well for me. But that's a different analysis than this tournament, right? Because by doing that, I was fading guys like Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, Roy McIlroy, and whoever else, Patrick Cantlay, Xander Shoffley, whoever else was at the top. Well, none of those guys are in this tournament. So it's all the more reason, in my opinion, if you don't like any of these guys in the 10K range, go ahead and fade them. But... The two guys I like the most would probably be what's going to be a reasonably popular Ricky Fowler and Justin Thomas. And I'll just start with the Ricky Fowler thing as as you pull up his stats. I mean, if you're watching us on YouTube, um, good for you, because what you're doing is you're seeing a lot of green. And that's what he's doing. First of all, tee to green approach off the tee. It's all good. He's gained ball striking, as we see here, eight tournaments in a row. He's gained around the green in nine in a row. Not that that's a critical stat here, but I just think it's amazing. And for the record, he's gained with the putter, which we are putting an emphasis on in five of his last seven tournaments. I I just don't know how you look away from Ricky Fowler other than the fact that he's probably going to be pretty popular, which I get it. How popular? Because I I agree, right? Ricky is already just not even talking in terms of popularity in DFS contests, popularity in the world of golf. And people are going to want to play him, especially now that he is, quote, back. And the top 10 finishes, the top 20 finishes are piling up. The advanced metrics are there. He's a rocket mortgage guy. He's an ambassador. There is just no reason not to play Ricky Sia. So so how popular is he going to be? That's such a good question. You know, normally it's really easy to answer these, at least give a range because you're talking about the Scotty Schefflers and and the ROMs of the world when we're talking about popularity, usually in this 10K range. And so you have a pretty good idea. Ricky Fowler, you're right about everything you just said. Like he, he has the name recognition, but also he's just a guy people like to play. I think he could probably get up to because I think a lot of people might just do like a 10K, 9K thing and then just go down or a 10K to 8K guys thing and then just go down to the 7K range. I think he's going to be somewhere in the like the 22 to 24% range. It's, it's just a guess. I might take the over on that. Yeah. I don't know, man. He's just, yeah, I mean, that's probably fair. I mean, when you look at the other golfers here, you do get Justin Thomas, who I think will be kind of popular. What are people going to do with Tony Finau? So there are some situations that I guess keep this down a little bit, but let's, let's go to JT here. That was the other, that was the other name that you mentioned. He's coming off one of the better approach weeks uh, of his career, definitely in, in, in recent history. So you are buying that this is kind of a turnaround, get right spot for JT. So here's the thing. There, there's two arguments and, and each, each of them are sort of competing against each other. You know, we're not that far removed. I, I, you know, I understand we saw something great from Justin Thomas last week, but we're not that far removed from him being really good 
with the ball striking at least in March, in April, and leading into May. So it's not like I was super shocked that he gained. And we, I think we said this on the show last week that we wouldn't be super shocked if, if he was a big gainer um, off the tee or on approach because we saw him do that not you know a couple of months ago consistently. Uh, the problem, the other argument, the one that's competing against that, even if you're buying into the ball striking being back, I mean, what do we see here on YouTube on rickrungood.com? Well, he's lost with the putter in nine out of 10. Now, granted, some of those are pretty small losses. I would consider, you know, down 1.32, a pretty small loss, down 0.2, a small loss, down 1.14, like negative 0.58. So it's not as dire as it looks necessarily. Uh, And I do like, you know, one thing about Justin Thomas is it's very clear he's a confidence guy. And when he gets his confidence going, his game is in good shape. And you can probably say that about every single golfer or every single athlete in the world, but I think it's to a larger scale or a larger degree when it comes to Justin Thomas. So I like that he probably is going into this tournament thinking, okay, my game might be back and and I have the talent to definitely win this particular tournament and really put myself back on the map. So I do like Justin Thomas. I'm just not in love with it. Um, I'm going to start a lot of builds in that 9K range. Um, But yeah, the top two for me, it's going to be Ricky and Justin Thomas. I will say this about Colin Morikawa. I liked him last week. So it would be really silly for me not to like him this week, especially given his second round. His first round was a complete disaster, but his second round was actually kind of amazing. And it was somewhat of the Colin Morikawa I, I thought I was going to get last week. So it would be kind of silly for me, liking Colin last week, to be like, oh, I'm just off Colin. So I'm definitely going to be peppering Colin into some lineups. I, I think Colin's my favorite. Yeah, I mean, he he loses three strokes on approach on, on Thursday and actually almost works his way back to make the cut falls, falls just short. But I mean, this is literally, I mean, 12 of his last 13 rounds have been very good. Uh, now there's been some weird stuff in there. He had the horrible Thursday at the Travelers, like you mentioned, that stops him from missing the cut. He has the WD at the Memorial before the final round in which we do not get a result for him. So it has just been a very weird stretch of golf. I'm, 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 I'm in on this, right? Like I, I'm, I'm happy with what I see. I think the big question is what people are going to do with Tony Fee now. Um, mm-hmm. This is the most expensive he's been since I believe the 2021 Texas Open. He was well the Tour Championship, but I don't count that. Uh, 2021 Texas Open. He was eleven thousand dollars. He is ten thousand nine hundred dollars this week. Uh, this this might come back to haunt me, but this is like this is a trap, right? I mean, this guy is in the midst of the worst putting stretch that he's been in in quite some time. He's hemorrhaging strokes on the putting surfaces, multiple strokes down uh, in five straight. He's not even driving it as well as we normally see. He's not hitting his second shots as well as we normally see. He's the most expensive he's ever been. And I'm assuming he is getting the vast majority of that because he is coming in with defending champion status. But that is really uh, a lot more questions than answers when it comes to Tony Finau and him making it onto my investment portfolio. Yeah. I mean, the only counter would be, you know, he recently won in Mexico and he's the type of golfer that is in somewhat of an elite status, not not like the top tier, obviously, where it, it wouldn't surprise you if he or, let's say, Max Homa just turned it around on, on, on any given course. And this would be the course, by the way, and the field where Tony Finau would turn it around. Now, we can't like everybody in the 10K range, and, and so Tony Finau's probably out for me. Um, but I understand the argument playing Tony Finau, especially given his price, because his price is going to lead people to be like, yeah, I'm not on Tony. And so if he happens to be, I don't know, 12, 13 percent, given his upside, uh, it would make sense to jump right back on him there. Uh, and then finally, I mean, we talked about the other four so quickly here on Max Homa coming off consecutive missed cuts. Uh, it's kind of been all over the place because he's got two top 10 finishes uh, in starts uh, within his last five. He's got an OK run of success around this place. I just personally think there are better options. But uh, I mean, if Max Homa wants to check in at like nine percent, I'd probably be interested. Yeah, this is one of those things where, you know, like we did last week where we ranked the golfers, they're all good golfers, but he would be five out of out of the five. I mean, he would be fifth because there's nothing I'm seeing for from Max Homa that would lead me to say, oh, I like him better than, let's say, a Ricky Fowler or, or really anybody other than if he's super low owned. And honestly, even then. I might I might not plan because I think there will be other guys that are low owned in the 10K range or for that matter, maybe in the 9K range that I'd probably be kinder to jump over to uh, and just make my roster construction super different. Uh, the 9K range, Tom Kim, 98, Hideki, 96, Sung Jay, 94, and we rounded out with Cam Davis at 93. 
Keegan Bradley at 92 and Harris English at $9,000. All of these guys see a played last week. All of them made the cut. Obviously, Keegan Bradley hoisted a trophy on Sunday. So how do you want to go about investing in the 9K range? I like the two guys at the top. Um, I don't dislike many people here. I mean, I I don't think I'm going to play Harris English. I could see myself playing Keegan Bradley if nobody's going to play him. Uh, Cameron Davis, I just don't think I can get there with him in spite of the fact that he has tremendous upside. So for me, it's going to be, and I haven't seen enough from Sung Jay, notwithstanding a pretty decent uh, tournament last last week. I like Tom Kim and Hideki. And, and for the record, one thing about uh, Tom Kim in particular is, you know, we're talking about, you know, bombers narratives and things of that nature. He's not a super short hitter. We just saw it on your cheat sheet, Rick. He was, you know, the average, average uh, distance was uh, 297.7. So it's, this isn't one of like, that's, that's way longer than Hideki for the record, at least over the last 36 rounds. So I, again, this is one of those where you can buck the, the bomber narrative in general with a guy like Hideki, but just FYI, Tom Kim doesn't appear to be a super short hit. It's not like it's 290 that he's throwing it out there. The Hideki thing is, uh, I, I think Hideki is by far the best player in this in this range. I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's close. He is back to being an elite approach player. The putter is sometimes positive, like fifty percent of the time it's been positive, which is way better than what we've seen in past years. The, for him to get lumped together with. I don't know. Uh, like Harris English has been fine, but super reliant in the short game. Keegan, okay, coming off victory, whatever. I, I think Hideki is very clearly the superior play in the 9K range with a little bit of love towards Sung Jay. And then I'm sick enough to get to uh, Cam Davis. He won this event two years ago. He finished 14th last year. I think he is a better like... Cam, Cam Davis might be your first round leader. Cam Davis might shoot the low round of the week. Cam Davis might be a great showdown option. I worry about a, a little bit of him putting four rounds together, but there is not a golf course on planet Earth that is better for Cam Davis than than Detroit Golf Club. So that's why I would uh, get a little bit of exposure there. But this is this is the Hideki spot for me. It totally is the Hideki spot. It's funny the way his pricing has gone over the last couple of weeks. It's just it just feels like the like DraftKings, for example, uh, maybe the industry as a whole isn't really kind of recognizing how good he's been. And, and for the record, if we go revisit the 10K range, what if we had Ricky Fowler at the top at 10-9 and Colin Morikawa at 10-6 and Hideki Matsuyama at 10-4 and then let's put Tony Finau at 10-2? W- would that be, if you looked at that, Rick, would you say, oh, that's weird? Or would you say, yeah, that makes sense? Uh, I would say that probably makes sense. I mean, listen, last 36 rounds, it's a pretty big sample size. Hideki is the third best player in this field. It's uh, Ricky Fowler, Austin Eckroat. You know, he's got weighted issues, but that's fine. Uh, and then Hideki and then Tony Finau and Colin Morikawa is sixth and Sungjae seventh, right? Like it, it is a little bit shocking to see uh, that Hideki has not yet. Like it's just, they've just been very slow for everybody to figure out that Hideki is back to being, elite at what he has been elite at for a decade all the more reason to kind of ignore pricing in a lot of different circumstances because if he was 10-4 if Hideki was 10-4 which I honestly think he should be or at least 10-2 whatever somewhere in the 10k range you might feel comfortable starting your lineup there but I just think sometimes we have this perception like oh I really need to start my lineup with a guy in the 10k range well effectively to me, Hideki is in the 10K range. He's just not priced that way. And maybe that's going to make him really popular. But again, when it comes to popularity with a guy that can win it or that you think is going to win it, go ahead and grab him and make sure your lineup's different everywhere. I don't know how popular Hideki is going to be, but he'll probably be pretty popular. Maybe in terms of 9K and above, I'm just ballparking it, but maybe he's the second or third most popular guy. He's got to be probably the second or third for sure. Um, so I'd still play him because I think uh, I think he can win the tournament. Uh, Keegan's been very good, obviously, coming off the, the win at the Travelers. And he's got, what, two wins now in his last 17 starts and all that fun stuff. But this is now the most expensive he's ever been. Uh, excuse me, not ever been, but he's been in quite some time. I, I will. I'll just catch up with Keegan down the road, just in the same way that I think last week uh, I said about Wyndham Clark. Like, hey, Wyndham coming off of a major win and. Like I love the skill set and I love the way he's trending, but it's just it's just not this week. I don't see a scenario in which Keegan and I rendezvous. Uh, I, I totally agree with that. I, I think if ownership is down, you, he does set up well for this course. I and mean, he's going to keep it in the fairway. He'll probably should. I mean, I, I can't say he's going to be dialed in on approach because he's been pretty erratic there. But if he is, knowing what he's done with the putter as of late, which has been really good, not just last week, um, he could he could be that guy again. But I, I'm not going to put my money on it. Pretty small 9K range. 
Uh, I don't. I think we've covered it all. <laughs> quite honestly, let's just uh, let's just keep it rolling. We'll go to the eights. We'll go to the sevens. We'll go to the sixes. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And we're back. Here we go. Now things start to get really interesting in the 8K range. Steven Yeager, Brian Harmon, Ludwig Aberg, Alex Smalley. Chris Kirk sits in the middle at 8,500 with Tom Hoagie, Sepp Straka, Benny Ahn, Adam Hadwin, and Austin Eckroat solidifying the rest of this 8K range CSO. We've got a lot to talk about here. Where do you want to start? Yeah, there's a lot of really interesting, I would say risky, but high upside guys here. I'll probably mention at least one of them here. I'm, I'm going to mention three guys, even though I have four written here, but we'll, maybe we'll go back and forth and see if we get to this guy. Uh, I'll start with Ludwig Aberg. Uh, at 8,700. Uh, I mean, we're, we're looking for, you know, monsters off the tee to some degree. And he certainly fits that description. He's been good on approach as well. We don't have like a huge sample size on the PGA Tour, but uh, the short game, you know, as we see here, it's it, it's been average, but it hasn't been like horrific by any means. I think in this field, uh, Aberg has a chance to to really shine. I think this is a a fair number. I think I think it's just high enough maybe for him to not be super popular. Um, but I do like him. Um, Adam Hadwin, I think, is interesting. More as a pivot than anything else off of the next guy I'm going to mention, which is Austin Eckroat, who, listen, we, we love Austin Eckroat. We play him every week. Um, he actually, lo- I'm talking about Eckroat now. He lost ball striking last week at the Travelers, but gained big with the putter. If, if he puts that together, because he's been a, a monster ball striker, uh, he's going to be awesome. He's going to be very popular. So I think Adam Hadwin's at least an interesting pivot. Um, over the last handful of tournaments, Tita Green, he's been good. Approach, he's been good. Um, we know we can pop with the ball striking and with the putter. I think the upside might be limited, but then again, in this field, maybe it's not. So I think Adam Hadwin's at least a sneaky play, but probably my favorite two are Aberg at 8,700 and Eckroad at 8,000. Yeah, it's time. It's time for Ludwig, right? Like, let's roll this dude out, see what he's got. He's finishing, you know, top 25 in API and travelers. And now it's a weaker field and he's a ball striking maniac is his biggest efficiency around the green. If you're tapping into it this week, you're in big trouble. Anyway, a uh, quick note on Austin Eckroat. So this is raw strokes gained uh, last 36 rounds, which is a lot of rounds. Ricky Fowler, number one. Austin Eckroat, number two, 1.25. So he's been piling it up in quite some type of way. I identify Alex Smalley as somebody that I, I think is worth investing in this week mm-hmm. at $8,600. You know, the, the stat profile that he's putting together right now, which is very ball striking heavy, gaining four or more strokes in the ball striking categories in five of his last six, is very reminiscent of what he did in the in at the end of the fall. And then to start, uh, the 2023 calendar year where he was piling up all those great finishes. And then he just lost it. And he was just kind of all over the yard for the much of uh, much of the start of 2023 and into the spring. We're starting to get that back again. So he's somebody coming off a good week at the travelers last week with a T nine that, that I think is um, worth a click as well. Yeah. I like Alex Molly. And I think he's, I don't know that he'll qualify as a pivot and he might pick up some ownership, but probably not. Uh, I mean, I think, I think Aberg is the guy that people will probably gravitate to. I think Jaeger's really interesting at 8,900. Um, he lost a ton with the putter last week. I think he lost like 7.32 with the putter last week. Uh, but everything else kind of checks out and the putter has been okay as of late. It's just, it just so happens last week was bad. It was all yeah, seven point all on Sunday. It was all on Sunday too. Oh, that's wow. that's one round. So he lost seven point four six strokes putting on Sunday alone. Before that, he was basically a zero putter for the week. So he drops six and a half strokes on Sunday, and he ends up finishing t sixty four. So I don't know what that would have ended up being in terms of the uh, 
you know, the the actual leaderboard, but he obviously would have had a much better finish than T64. Yeah, that's crazy that he lost all that in one day. Um, I think he's interesting because of his price point. As much as people like Steven Yeager, I don't think they like him at 8,900. So I feel like a lot of the the collection zones are going to be right around Aberg, which might make Smalley and Yeager um, pretty decent pivots off of him. That's the worst single putting round of the season. 7.46 to the negative by Steven Yeager. That's, wow. yeah, that's not, not <laughs> great. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. You learn something new every day. Uh, Chris Kirk is here. Chris Kirk. I don't know, man. I, I, I love the course history. I look at this and I see he's got like three straight top 25 finishes wow. at the rocket mortgage, but he's, but he's missed three cuts in a row. They haven't been particularly ugly. They've been like, okay, missed cuts, but I will, probably wait and see on what the projected ownership is going to be on Chris Kirk. I, I think in general on courses that Kirk plays well at, he tends to continue to play well. You think about RSM and you think about some of these other places, maybe like Honda and here. So I'm, I'm intrigued from that aspect, but I, I'm going to need to know what the industry is going to do here in a couple of days. Yeah, I don't think he's going to get much ownership in spite of the uh, the finishing positions uh, at this tournament uh, He because he doesn't fit the profile for one. And also lately, like you mentioned, it just hasn't been good. I mean, you know, he checks a lot of the boxes. It's interesting. His greens and regulation number is horrific for Chris Kirk, 57.5. It's just like it's weird to juxtapose that with everything else we see here because everything else we see here is like at least decent. Uh, you know, I don't think GIR tells the the whole story, but I just I was surprised to see that number next yeah. to his name. I think that just when he when he plays well, he plays really well. So like, well, you see his name, you know, on the first page of the leaderboard a couple times a year, and we assume that he's probably having a better year than he is. But then he'll he'll, he'll go through stretches like this where he, you know, misses three cuts, finishes. T29, T56, T41, right? And you're mm-hmm. probably missing a lot of greens. You're kind of hurting your stats along the way there. So I think it feels like he is more consistent and relevant than he actually is. Whether that's good or bad is a different conversation, but I feel like that's the way it feels with Chris Kirk. Yeah, fair enough. Um, the sevens. <sighs> Big range here. Okay, Justin Suh, Taylor Moore at the top. Guys like Gordon Sargent, Brandon Wu, JJ Spawn, Mark Hubbard in the middle. The bottom, Dylan Wu, Carson Young, Kevin Yu, Hayden Buckley, uh, and probably lots of options in between those. So what's our let's go back and forth here, Sia. You you go, then I'll go, and we'll see where we see where we land here. Okay, so I don't really like anybody at the top. That doesn't mean I'm not gonna play anybody at the top because I'm looking at some names that are that are at least intriguing, like I don't want to take up your names, but like Hostler's intriguing to me. Bramlett's intriguing to me. But the first name that I fell on, because like the way I do this, I, I just start at the top of the 7K range and I, and I scan down until I really see a name I like. And it took me to 7,400. Like I had to wait that long. It was, of all people, Doug Gim. Yeah. That's who's cool. like, I like really good right now. And the, the putter isn't bad either for Doug Gim. So he, he was the first one I landed on. Yeah, so he has gained uh, from T to green in four straight. He has gained seven and a half strokes from T to green in three straight. This looks a lot like the guy from two years ago where he was, you know, just a, a, a hardcore member of Team No Putt. Although his putter has actually been a little bit better. It's, again, a very low bar for Doug Gibb. But, yes, it's turned into three straight top 20 finishes. Okay, that's a good one. I will now offer up, oof, that was the one I was going to go with. I will offer up Aaron Rye. Um, three top 24 finishes in his last four starts. You look at what he tends to do well when he's playing well, you can get these really strong pop approach weeks like the 70 gains on approach at the Charles Schwab, the eight a quarter that he gained at the RBC Canadian Open. And uh, if you're sensing a trend, it's because he also cannot putt. But uh, last two last two weeks, uh, he's been a positive putter in both. So Aaron Rye would be the next that I offer up. Okay, well, I, I don't mind that at all. Um, I think I would probably rather play, maybe not Hostler, maybe Bramlett. But I, I think I have a thing for Bramlett that's not really a thing. So I, maybe I need to back off there. Uh, the next one I'll go to is way down in the 7K range. The guy who's constant, constantly disrespected, the Rodney Dangerfield, dated reference there, by the way. The Rodney Dangerfield of the golf, the PGA Tour, it's 
No, that's close. That would have been the second one. It's not Dylan Wu, although it is Dylan Wu. It's Carson Young, who's only, what is he, 7, 7K flat? I mean, listen, the, the putter, the approach are great off the tee. Like, he doesn't rate out super great off the tee. Um, for the record, it's it's not the accuracy that that hurts him. It's it's the distance um, for whatever that's worth. Uh, but Carson Young is just constantly playing well, period. He has five top 25s in his last eight or last nine, just kind of counting off the top. Actually, it's you could say it's the last eight if you get rid of the Zurich, which was a, a team event. So yes, it is it is remarkable what he's been up to. It is approach plus putting, which is a very good combination most weeks, but it's a very good combination on like birdie fest weeks if you can start piling it up. Okay, I'll go small sample size Kevin Yu, who's Ooh. back from Love injury. That one. Uh, just played last week for the first time since Pebble Beach and kind of picked up right where he left off, which was drive it well, lose strokes with the putter. And what I'm hoping for this week is that he knocked off a little bit of that rust and we get that solid approach play back again from Kevin Yu around uh, Round Rocket Mortgage. This guy, this guy gives himself so many opportunities. It's insane. And I'm hoping that he played well enough. He made the cut to Travelers. Now he gets a weaker field. Little, little, uh, couple of game reps underneath, underneath his belt. And I think Kevin, you plays well again this week. Yeah. I like that one. And for the record, even though he was largely a loser with the putter of the last five tournaments, you take three out of the last five results when it comes to his putter. Cause they were very, very minimal losses when they were losses. And, and at least two uh, of those I'll go next with uh, a guy I liked last week who actually had as a first round leader. And it's funny cause he was five under through nine. And I thought, well, maybe he's got, he's got a shot to catch a guy like Keegan. He was 110 to one to be that first round leader. And then he ended up missing the cut barely. It's Lee Hodges. Um, really bad ball striking performance uh, last week at the travelers, which is really uncharacteristic of him. The short game, uh, it was fine last week, but typically the ball striking is great. And the short game is, can be the problem can be a problem with the putter specifically, but if the putter's decent and we get the normal ball striking from Lee Hodges, I, I think he can ascend up this leaderboard. All right. I think this might be the last one that I have. Um, it's Gordon Sargent. Now, if Ooh, you, nice. if you like just guys who are going to go out there and move the rock, uh, Gordon Sargent hits it like nobody else hits it. Now, this is um, it can get scary after that. Right. I mean, he lost 10 strokes in the short game categories around Augusta National, which I do not blame him for, but made the cut at the U.S. Open. And if you talk about tour golf courses that are going to allow him to lean into his strengths. This should be the one he is $7,500. And it's weird to see him so much more than our previous favorite Gordon, which of course was Will Gordon, sure. uh, who I think is at least interesting for this tournament. Uh, the short game is really bad with Will Gordon. So like, that's a, that's a huge issue. Oh my gosh, that is, I need sunglasses. That's bad. It's definitely not good. <laughs> the around the green game. What is that? I don't even, I didn't know that was possible to be that consistently bad around the green. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not pretty. He's lost multiple strokes around the green in five out of six in basically nine out of 10 or nine out of 11. And he does not, he has not gained around the green since the Honda classic. And you know, the putter's not great lately either, but I'll give you one last name as well. Sure. Um, I did mention Sam Stevens at the front of the show. I mean, he, he's really bad with the putter, but the ball striking is great. So if you're if you're on that team of, well, maybe he can find a putter, which I'm not really on that team. I think Sam Stevens is at least interesting. But the name I'm actually going to give is, and you took Gordon Sargent. That was going to be one of mine. It's Matthew Naismith, which I'm not super comfortable taking him, but tee to green, off the tee, approach, uh, greens and regulation, uh, all look pretty good with him. So I, I'm okay kind of like leaning into what we previously knew to be a great ball striker and a guy that's, that was at least decent with the putter. $6,000 range. Andrew Novak, Ben Martin, Callum Taron, to name a few at the top. The middle, let's call it Bryce Garnett, Ben Taylor, Maddie Schmidt. The bottom, the min-price guys, Michael Gligic, Chase Johnson, Chad Collins. You get the first crack at this seat. Where are we headed? Well, I'm going to go to Vincent Norman at 6,900. Yeah. The Candyman, um, Vincent Norman. What'd you say? Uh, the Candyman is his nickname. Is it really? I don't know how, how, how I know that. I don't know how official that is. Oh, I, think, uh, I think uh, Sean Martin from the PGA Tour is trying to get that to catch on. He, I believe he grew up in 
is it Norway or Sweden? And he like worked at a candy shop or something like that and like loves candy or I forget the story behind it, but Vincent Norman, the candy man. Fair enough. Well, he's been great off the tee. Uh, he can pop on approach, putter up and down, um, but he's shown the ability to spike there. And again, that's what I'm looking for. I, I don't need a great putter. For personally, I don't need a great putter. I just need somebody who I've seen some semblance of decent putting at some point recently. And he gained at the Travelers minimally, but he also gained, uh, what was it, at the Mexico Open and at... Uh, not the Zurich Classic, the AT&T Byron Nelson. So those weren't too long ago. And, you know, he's okay with the putter. Uh, Norman, Norman's a guy that can get it out there for sure, though. If you are at the Rocket Mortgage this week, uh, find a way to see Gordon Sargent hit a driver and find a way to see Vincent Norman hit a driver. That's 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 the good stuff. Well, it'll show you how scary the next, the next generation is. Uh, okay, my turn. I will go... Maddie Schmid. And the reason for that is because his best two results have been on the European tour, which I think always get overlooked if that's kind of your recent form. So he finished T18 last week at the BMW International Open, which was a pretty decent event. And he finished T21 at the KL Open, KLM Open, excuse me, uh, a couple of starts ago. It, it, it is not particularly great. Otherwise, a couple of decent results in there. But I always think, see, that when you have a guy who's doing his best work outside of the normal scope, that uh, he does not get enough credit for how well he's been playing. Yeah, that's totally fair. I think Matthias Schmidt is a, is a solid play there. Um, where do I go? I, I think I'm going to end up going to – I'm going to go to Sam Bennett. Uh, who, for the record, has been rating out pretty well off the tee. But just so everybody knows, he's, he's a little shorter off the tee. He's one of those guys that like has the accuracy, kind of like a Carson Young, but it's a little bit shorter. But I do like that the putter can spike for him. The approach play can spike. Um, around the green is his biggest downfall, which shouldn't really be a, a huge issue here. So I think there's some value there at 6,900 for Sam. Yeah, missed the cut for the first time kind of since he's been on our radar a bit. So, you know, he pops up at the Masters, all that fun stuff, but missed the cut the Travelers, but didn't miss it too bar- uh, too poorly. I think he missed it by a stroke or two. Lost only a half stroke to the field. Ugh, I might be running out of options here. Oh, God. I'm going to cheat and just sort this by like strokes gain total in the last 36 rounds. Yeah, I love Vincent, it. Vincent Norman, by far number one. Let's look at Andrew Novak's stat profile. I really don't know what we're getting into here, but he's the second best player in this range over the last 36. Ugh, I don't love the high finishes that only come when he gains like 10 strokes in the short game categories. I hate to see that. All right. We cannot go in that direction. Um, God, Jimmy Walker. Are we really back to like Jimmy Walker? What's his price? We can't be. He is $6,600. Hmm. No. Dude, this range is yikes. Can we see how Zach Blair got it done last week? Yeah. Because that was pretty impressive. I mean, I only really got to see him on, on Sunday. but Striper. The question when I see that is, well, did we see glimpses of this prior to it? Is this like no. indicative of a trend? I mean, a little bit at the Wells Fargo. He was he was decent, just not off the tee. Interesting. I hate it. I hate everything about this range. <laughs> I don't want any parts of it. This this is actually I actually think this 6K range is makes me want to start in the nines more than the 10K range makes me want to start in the nines. Yeah, I get that. But but I'll say this. I, I think everybody's going to agree with that in large part. I mean, I think you will see some people grab like, oh, there's Austin Smotherman. Shout out to the Rocket Mortgage uh, last year. Um, I think people are going to like maybe like take some some of those guys in the in the high 6K range. But what it really means, I think, is like that typical collection zone of that that 7K to 7300 range. There's going to be a few popular guys there, I, I think, that because people are going to want to avoid that 6K range and they are going to want to build with some expensive guys. I think some of those guys that we even talked about, um, you know, Carson Young comes to mind. Uh Dylan Wu, maybe Hayden Buckley is interesting at 7K, although he's missed a ton of cuts. But I, I, my point is, I think some of those guys in the low 7K range are, are going to pick up some ownership. Man, I'm just trying like anything I can 12 rounds, 100 rounds, 50 rounds, and it is a little bit of ugliness uh, everywhere we go. Ben Martin? Let's see what Ben Martin's been up to. Hasn't been great lately. No. 
he hasn't. But again, uh, I mean, where he's losing it is around the green, which again, yeah. I, I'm I'm pretty big believer that like if you are trying to get up and down for par, you never stood a chance here anyway. So right. uh, do I really care all that much? He finished T24 here last year, missed the cut in each of his previous two trips. Boy, not very good. We've been we've been uh, very fortunate with some of the fields in recent weeks and months where the six K range had a lot of viable options. I'm not necessarily sure I agree with that statement this time around. Yeah, I, I will go ahead and because we have so many, so few players to endorse, I will endorse uh, Ben Martin there at sixty nine hundred. I, I think that's as far as I'll go is that sixty nine hundred range. Marty Dow is sixty five hundred. I thought maybe he'd be a good play, but when I took a closer look, it. It was hard for me to justify. Let me just look up one more. Kyle Westmoreland is a bomber, and I think he had a good corn fairy start recently, but I just want to see. Yeah. Okay. So misses five cuts in a row, fifth at a corn fairy tour event, and then misses the cut again. That's probably a flash in the paint. Probably rolled like 900 feet of putts in. So um, hard to get behind that. That was by far his best finish of the last year or two. So, yeah. Not not going to happen for me. You know where we might find the best options to see is if we just look through the strokes gate narrative lineups and see and see what's going on there. So this is a fun little portion of the show where uh, early in the week on Monday, you can submit a strokes gate narrative lineup. Uh, hashtag strokes gate narrative. You can tag Sienna Jai. You can tag uh, at first cut pod. And we put together a couple of uh, the ones that get in in time. And let's see what we have for this week. Troy, please. Okay. Rebecca O'Connor says Detroit is the home of General Motors. Here are some cars they've been working to improve on. Okay, so we have a car theme here. The Chevy Trans Cam. That's Cam Davis. Okay, the Suburban, Justin Su. The Hubbard H2. <laughs> this is a good one. The El Camino. That's Tom Kim. The Pontiac JTO. Nice. That could be Justin Thomas. Mm-hmm. And the Chevy Malibu. <laughs> That's great. Brandon Wu. That's pretty good. Or Dylan. See, he even gets disrespected in the stroke skating narratives. Unbelievable. That's true. Or it could have been the Chevy Malibu, and it could have been Kevin. Hmm. Interesting. Rockets and space travel says Jason's garage gym. Kelly Spacecraft. Oh, I like that. Major Tom Kim, Jimmy Moonwalker, Captain Chris Kirk, and Trevor Nose Cone. The only problem here, Sia, do you notice it? Hmm. I don't think so. There's only five. Oh, Jason. Not a lineup. Hmm. Not, Not a lineup. Illegal lineup. Illegal you know, lineup. You could not submit this. We had a lot of entries, and I jumped to include Jason's Garage Jim because I'd never seen that name before. So I was like, "All right, let's throw him in." And now you're in the penalty box. Well, they're good. They're. I mean, he gets credit for the actual names he did submit. Yet, uh, count them up. Try to submit that will not work. Thanks, though, Jason. We'll get you next time with uh, sixth name. Okay, Troy. Oh, three big ones here. Model Maniac says Rocket mortgage in quotes equals space travel and exploration. So his first team member is Max McGravity. Max McGravity. This is very creative. The Mark Hubble telescope. Pretty good. Uh, This is the four Martians, Ben, Kyle, Trainer, Laird, because they are Ben Martin, Kyle Martin, Martin Trainer. Kyle West Martian, Westmoreland. I think that's where he's going there. Maybe. Buzz Aldrin Pogeiter. That dude bombs it, by the way. Mm-hmm. Augusto Munez. Augusto Nunez. And Christian Bezaden Houston. We have liftoff. <laughs> well done. Yikes. Wow. Thank you, Model Maniac. Ryan, the Fantasy Bunker, says we head to the home of Motown Records where Michael Jackson got his start. Here are a few of MJ's greatest hits. Oh, we talked about this guy. Billy Jean Hodges. Lee Hodges. Max, I'll come home to you. Doc Redman in the mirror. Uh, Badham Hadwin. 
Kevin Rock with you and CPYT Pan. That's pretty good, Ryan. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. And here we go, John Markowski, the goat in many people's eyes, maybe even mine as well, but in many people's. In honor of Ches Cake Reevee, that's right, uh, rocket mortgage golfers who eat on more of a budget. Oh, a budget friendly option here, Sia. Brian Stewart's root beer. Oh, I used to love root beer. And as I've got, gotten older, it is not, it is not for me. No, me neither. I used to love it too, though. Is that only for kids? Do adults drink root beer? I don't think so. But I did the A&W like root beer cream soda thing. When I was a kid, I was all about it. Yeah, I, I had to have it like in a cup with ice. I loved it. Uh, but no, I can't drink that anymore. It tastes Can, like syrup. Cannot do it anymore. Just nasty. Kevin Roy Rogers. That's good. Nick Hardy's. Boom. Leia. We were looking for that one. Got it. Chipotle Hodges. That's my favorite. James Olive Gardhan. Sure. <laughs> and this, I go this place a lot. Tyler Duncan Donuts. Yes. Six names on a budget for your fast food. Well done. Everyone. Okay, see ya. Any final parting thoughts before we get out of here on a rocket mortgage? Uh, interesting little week after after the travels. Well, I do want to say that uh, last year we had a really cool strokes gain narrative with Gigi singing, and uh, David submitted another one this week. It's it's lyrics to Eminem's "Stan," Eminem and Dido's "Stan." If you all remember that song, it, it was too long to put on here or to perform. Uh, the font would have been too small, but I did tweet it out. So go check it out because it's actually uh, pretty pretty clever. Um, but no, listen, Rick. As far as the rocket mortgage is concerned, uh, it, it does. So I, I say this a lot. It, it really doesn't matter to me if it's. This is going to sound like sacrilege uh, if it's the masters or the rocket mortgage. I just love the DFS component of this from a DFS standpoint. I really don't care. And I, I really think those that are playing DFS this week really need to just give the pricing kind of like a, a grain of salt sort of uh, attitude, because I think you can really uh, – put some of these guys in different price ranges and I don't think you'd blink an eye. So I just think this is the week. We know it's going to be a birdie fest. We, we know there's going to be some surprises that jump up at the board. We know there's not the Shefflers and the Roms out there to like kind of crush everybody's hopes and dreams if you faded them. So have some fun with this one and you just might end up on top. Yeah, just might end up on top. Indeed, Sia Najad is available on Twitter at Sia Najad. Producer Troy does all the hard work behind the scenes. Thank you very much. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut. We'll catch you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.